Welcome to Ending Student Homelessness, a podcast that brings together folks who are committed to understanding and finding housing solutions. I am Misty Blue, a researcher at the University of Minnesota's Center for Advanced Studies in Child Welfare, and I've had the honor of interviewing a series of guests committed to this work. Today's conversation features four professionals working together to address homelessness in Northwestern Minnesota. Brandy Wilkie is the Rental Assistance Specialist for Clay County HRA. Amy Riccio is the Transitional Student Support and Homeless Liaison for Moorhead School District. Sierra Nilan Martinez is the Youth Self-Sufficiency Advocate for Lakes and Prairies Community Action. And Sandra Calix is the Family Case Manager for Churches United Micah's Mission. Take a listen to this two-part episode where this group of professionals is in conversation about challenges and opportunities to address homelessness within their respective roles and in greater Minnesota. Thank you all, welcome. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. Can you all please introduce yourself to our listeners? So my name is Brandi Wilkie, uh, she, hers, and hers. And I come from Clay County HRE. I'm a rental assistance specialist, and I've been with Clay County HRE for four years. Um, some things about me that I like to share is that my background is in criminal justice uh, with a bachelor's in social work. I also have lived experience. Um, as a young adult, I was a pregnant homeless young adult and a single parent for several seven years and in the 15 years um in my role uh in my roles i've done dsp work mental health services case management and now providing rental assistance hello my name is sierra Nila martinez and i currently work for lakes and prairies community action partnership here in moorhead minnesota and I work as their youth self-sufficiency advocate. Um, and I've been with Lakes and Prairies for about three and a half years. And I actually started here working as an intern with their family homelessness prevention and assistance program. And then from there, I moved into my current role as one of their two youth self-sufficiency advocates. Um, yeah, I'm Chandra Kalix. Um I am a family case manager at Churches United uh, Micah's Mission Shelter. Uh, I have about 24 years of combined experience working with um, families that are either at risk or currently experiencing homelessness. Um, I've served many roles such as uh, I was an educator, I worked in child protection as a family support services provider, and then the last 18 months I have been the family case manager here at our shelter. Okay, um, I'm Amy Riccio. I am the District Homeless Liaison for Moorhead Area Public Schools. Um, I recently started this position just this year in September. Um, Previous to that, I was employed as a school social worker with Fargo Public Schools uh, for the past 28 years. So in that role, I worked with homeless as well as um, at-risk students and families Um, that we're facing many, many different barriers, whether it be um, poverty, um, homelessness, uh, mental health concerns, behavior concerns. Um, So I um, have switched over to Moorhead and continue to work just specifically with homeless students and families in grades pre-K through 12th grade. Um, I have a bachelor's degree in social work and a master's degree in administration. 
Can you speak to a little bit to how living in Northwest Minnesota is unique and especially around the um, either travel back and forth between North Dakota, which would be Fargo, and then Moorhead, Minnesota? I would comment um, that you know, working um, as a district homeless liaison in the school, it, it's it's very interesting because we're a border city. So um, we have the state line that makes a very interesting dynamic um, for our students and our families. So what I, I've seen in the years that I've lived here um, is there are um, many families that live in the North Dakota side or in the Fargo area. Um, because they there seems to be more housing um, openings or opportunities there. However, there isn't the financial support or the case management support like it is in Minnesota. So it it causes um, a really difficult situation uh, for families to try to how how do they balance that? Um, how do they find affordable housing um, and be able to sustain that? Um, and it's it's just that state line. It's different state laws. It's it's different ways our legislators work. Um, so it's it's just a little bit of a different dynamic rather than just being in the north northeast or the northwest side of a state. Um, it's it's having the state line there that causes some barriers. Mm-hmm. I would kind of echo that in that um, that when you're working with people experiencing homelessness, it's a very highly mobile um, group of people. And so we have them moving back and forth because we have a total of um, four shelters in our area, um, and but we are the only shelter within a 240 mile radius that serves families that have a male in the household, a male adult in the household. So um, it's, you know, we have people that'll jump back and forth. So it, it becomes interesting um, as far as people getting and keeping their benefits. Um, if they come from Fargo to Moorhead, they have to stop all their benefits there and restart here. So then they end up with this gap in between and, and vice versa. Um, and you know, as uh, Brandy was saying, um, there is a lot more housing opportunities in Fargo, affordable housing opportunities in Fargo. So um, yeah, we, we, we have a lot of that mobility with people moving around um, just it's just a mile away and we're in Fargo, so. Yeah, definitely what um, all of these ladies were explaining is just being on the border um, so close, like they said, a mile away, it's just very, very interesting dynamic. We have a lot of people who are on the North Dakota side because of like those housing opportunities that they mentioned. Um, it just makes it very, um, very tricky. It's a, it's a tricky situation when um, a lot of the families we're seeing are kind of bouncing back and forth. And then um, speaking from the housing provider side um, here at the Community Action, um, we really can only provide that assistance in Moorhead, Minnesota as well. There's really no working on the other side, even though it's so close. So makes it very difficult. And then we have all those other Minnesota requirements, they have to be a resident or have a connection, things like that as well. So I imagine, yeah, being adaptive and um, having skills for recognizing, you know, how to keep people getting the resources that they need in the, in the moment and in this moment of crisis for them is something that you all develop. Um, could you speak a little bit about how you all work together? So uh, how we will work together is I specifically handpicked 
Amy, Chandra, and Sierra because they are the focal point of Homework Starts With Home and the referral process. Um, so how people get filtered is they are maybe staying at the shelter or the school identifies a homeless family. They get referred to CAPLP where Sierra is working. And then they compile the referral information for Homework Starts With Home. And that would include the school verification, doing, uh, currently we do the VSPDAT or the MPAT, um, and they compile all this information and determine they're eligible. Then they send it over to me, and I have all that information in front of me so I don't have to re-traumatize them. I don't have to ask them questions. I don't have to um, kind of go back, but it's also a way to cross-check with different resources to make sure that they are indeed eligible um, and to make sure that we... Uh, have the correct information that was set forth in front of us. Could you talk a little bit about what led you to this work personally? For me, um, it was kind of, you know, in the various positions that I've held over the years, um, seeing that homelessness, is, it pervades so much of a family's life. And, and I've seen too, ma too many families be split up um, because of homelessness, um, you know, in our in our community, like I said, we're the only shelter in this huge radius that includes men in the household. Um, otherwise, you know, we have the YWCA where people can go, but the men aren't able to go there, so the men have to go to one of the other shelters if they have an opening. So, you see families split up, and um, I just I kind of have the philosophy of you know I'm more of a micro person, so if I can make a difference with this one, then that's made a difference, you know more difference to, to that one person than to, you know, the whole broad spectrum of things. But. Thank you. How about others? Um, so kind of what led me to this work, I mean, I just remember um, kind of growing up by the White Earth Reservation here in Minnesota and um, homelessness, like to me, looked a lot different. And I didn't really realize um, it was being like homelessness looked different over there in a sense where there's a lot of families that stayed together in the same household. So when I got over to Moorhead for college, um, I worked at Walgreens and I right on Main Avenue here, which is kind of close to our um, homeless shelter and our social service building. Um, and I kind of was learning about it informally in that way. And I it was kind of hard to wrap my mind around, but um, I realized too one day that Lakes and Prairies had social work internships and that's really how I got my foot in the door uh, was first volunteering through their tax site and then talking to their housing advocates who told me they wish they had a social work internship in this agency with all the things that they do and so coming into it kind of not really understanding it. I was just, I was pretty interested to see what they had to offer. And that's when I ended up at Lakes and Prairies and in their housing division, um, they asked me if I wanted to do a Head Start internship. And I told them I would respectfully would like to, to get exposure to different populations. And um, that's when I was able to complete my internship here at Lakes and Prairies. Um, and then that was, again, with the prevention, housing and homeless prevention program, and then now into my current role as their youth housing advocate. Um, but it really did show me, um, working with a lot of people who were experiencing homelessness, how resilient that this community is. And that's kind of what inspires me to keep going on. Mm, that's lovely. 
Um, this is Amy um, from Moorhead Schools. And what led me to this work? Um, well, there, there's so many different facets to it. Um, I would say working with anybody that has ha had faced or um, has overcome any adversities, homeless being one of them, um, the, the amount of resilience that you see in these families and, and the students is incredible. Um, they just just watching them work through um, just one one barrier after another and never giving up um, just is it's very empowering to watch and I always say that I I am honored to do the work because I actually get to learn more um, about just being a human being from the people that I work with um, than I would in any other profession um, it's just very um, it's it's amazing the things that um, the different challenges that they face and that never give up attitude is is very um, amazing just to be a part of their life. So what led me up to this work obviously is the big picture, the personal lived experience. Um, but I, when I was the first female intern at Mora Police Department. I had kind of an aha moment at a call that I wanted to be a help, but not this kind of help. And so I pursued my goal into the bachelor's of social work. Um, and just my life, my life has kind of just brought me into the direction of, of rental assistance because when I was doing case management, I always felt that my calling was a little different. And so, um, I cried every time I left a case management role because I didn't want to leave my clients, but I truly feel like I found my niche where I'm at a distance with, with the population, but not so far that I'm still able to connect and provide help and be the help that I can manage personally. Um, and then also coordinate with case managers and the community and partners and that kind of thing. So in, in your responses, I heard that there is a way for families to reach success for what it looks like for them. Could you describe a little bit about ways that you support them to get to that point? Um, I can speak a little bit about kind of helping them, um, I guess, reach whatever their goals are with housing in that sense. So I'm working at Lakes and Prairies with their youth, um, with the youth housing program, which is basically anyone between the ages of 16 and 25 that are enrolled in our program. And they were previously experiencing homelessness or were at risk of homelessness when I um, began working with them. And so really, if they're not housed yet, um, my first step is to help them find that housing. Um, working through, if there's any barriers, um, sometimes it's criminal history, sometimes it's um, bad rental history, depending on if they have any at that point. Um, and then if they are just at risk of homelessness, it's really just getting them housed, getting them caught up, um, linking them to um, mainstream resources or additional resources um, or supports as needed. Um, so just really getting to know each person and figuring out what it is that they need or what they want to work on, because everybody's in such different places when I begin to work with them. Um, so just really figuring that out and then helping them understand 
what those next steps are, when and where and how to pay their rent and teaching them how to manage their money, where to pay their rent again, and then um, also kind of what it means to be a responsible renter and what that looks like. Yeah, thank you. It's meeting families exactly where they're at and they're all different. You can't just go in and assume that they know something or that they should have done this or that. Um, you gotta meet them where they're at. Being a low barrier housing focused shelter, we come from it from that exact perspective too, that there's no other expectation other than um, you know, go, working toward housing. You don't have to um, attend treatment before you can get housed. You don't have to get medical or mental health, you know, before you get housed because, again, you're meeting them where they're at and, and um, addressing those things when they're ready to address those things. Yeah. Yeah, so it sounds like having a flexible or flexible practices and policies allow the families to access their um, the supports they need more easily. And then I'm, I'm also imagining that it really honors you all as, you know, experts in this to really match people with the right programs that they, they need as well and you having the flexibility to, to do that. So we've talked a little bit about how being a border state um, – has its own unique challenges. Could you talk about um, different types of inequities that present themselves in your work? Like what do they show up like or what does inequity kind of look like for you? You know, if I look at our, um, this is Chandra, if I look at our, um, like our shelter population, um, I mean, we know that it dis homelessness dispropor disproportionately affects minorities um, and it's just really striking when when I'm when I look at it and realize okay 83% of our community is white um, and, and that makes up about 22% of our homeless population um, but 8% of our community are people of color mostly black or Native American but yet they make up 45% of the homeless population. So there's just this huge disparity between, you know, who, who experiences homelessness and all the causes that go along with that, such as domestic violence, um, evictions, lack of supports is a huge one too. Um, and so that all just kind of combines together um, and it just really affects people of color a lot broader and deeply than the general population, yeah. We serve a large amount of Native American folks in our community, and uh, by large, it's not an issue of them finding housing or maintain or uh, finding a unit or uh, getting assistance and that type of thing. It's more so of them getting into a unit, and culturally, um, they get lease violations or evictions because they, in their mind, it's culturally acceptable to have your whole family live with you. And landlords and property managers uh, do not see that. And so they ended up getting a lease violation or an eviction and now are returning to homelessness. So by far, we see uh, people of Native American descent returning back to homelessness because they would prioritize their family uh, culturally over actual housing stability. Um, and so we do see that in our community quite a bit. It sounds like 
landlords and property owners have different rules and policies that they have to follow, that there is some disconnect with cultural values of living with extended family. Um, so right. the more that we can do to increase um, institutions, being able to be uh, adaptive to cultural ways is, is important. And this is Amy from the schools. I, I will um, just spin off a little bit of what um, Brandy was saying. One way that has, I've seen it happen in a couple of families, just this in the two months I've been in Moorhead is we've been able to help them get housing maybe across the hall or across the street or, you know, maybe two houses down. Um, and, and they feel like they're being honored at the same time you know, they're, they're going to be able to stay housed. Um, so it is a challenge to try to, to compromise and, and honor their, um, their culture. Some of the other inequities that, that I was thinking of is um, working in a school. I see a lot of inequities in education, the level of education. Um, and I always say this is no one's fault, but we need to be aware of it. So uh, many of our students will come in and they have such gaps in their education. Um, and it's, it's because they've been moving around, they've not been enrolled um, in school. And so, or maybe where they were enrolled, they did a different type of curriculum that, that we do in Moorhead schools. So they come in and they're at completely different levels and it's, it's not fair to anyone. Um, it's a challenge to try to get get them at the same, almost the same starting spot with the rest of, of their classmates so that um, they, can, they can bridge those gaps. Um, the other piece that goes with that is, along with education, is the access to the information. Just being aware of that and trying to figure out how can we um, better communicate um, and get that information to the people that need it. Um, just kind of bouncing off of all the ladies too, just some of the inequities that that stick out to me a lot um, is a lot of, again, like the racial inequities and um, economic inequities that we are seeing in our communities. And I almost feel like they're all intersectional and um, they all kind of affect one another in some sense. So like, we have a lot of people um, in our workforce that are in service jobs that are minority workers. And uh, that upward mobility is is very difficult because it, I mean, it also with the educational inequities and things like that, it kind of affects all of these pieces together and um, all of these systems, I feel like they kind of work against each other in a sense. So it's just, it's very, very difficult. Cool. Thank you. Today's conversation is half of a two-part episode that sheds light on teams that support individuals and families experiencing homelessness. Please take a listen to the other episode. Thank you for listening to the Ending Student Homelessness Podcast. This podcast was recorded on Anishinaabe and Dakota ancestral homelands. Indigenous people have historically and paradoxically faced homelessness at disproportionate rates in the state of Minnesota. Please visit our podcast page to learn about ways you can support local organizations committed to addressing this issue. This special podcast series has been created by the Homework Starts With Home Research Partnership, 
We are a collaborative state university school community project designed to integrate multi-system administrative data and analyze it in order to produce and disseminate high quality evidence pertinent to addressing the state and national challenge of student homelessness.